37 on this morning. Again, Psalm 37. Going to go a little Old Testament on this morning. Psalm 37. If you're here this morning, you don't have a Bible, let me encourage you all to get a Bible. Our ushers will make available Bibles. Listen, you can keep this Bible free of charge, compliments of the UCC, or you can borrow the Bible, return it at the service. Uh, we don't have any handouts or outlines on today. I encourage you, however, to grab a quick pen and a notepad, your prayer journal, something you can write on. If you like me, pull your highlighter out. There's several scriptures today that I want to underscore for your learning and for receiving. I know we got a group of men coming back. Oh, you know what? They're back. I see some of the men from the encounter retreat. They way in the back holding it down. Let's say praise the Lord for all of the men who just got an encounter with God these past 48 hours. They're there in the back. Uh, tell you what, I want to honor you all and I thank God for you, but I need one of y'all to come run down here real quick. Give me a testimony. Somebody tell me what the Lord, there's one. Let me get two. I'm out of the mouth of two. Out of the mouth of two or three. Let me have somebody else. Hey, I told you someone was going to run. Y'all didn't believe me. Give him that mic. Make sure the mic is on. Introduce yourself. Tell us what the Lord did for you these past 48 hours. Brother Leon Thompson. And do it in the next 30 seconds or so. Freedom. Restored. Delivered. No longer bound. I just thank you. If anyone that has had something in their lives that they want to be freed from. I tell you, <laughs> go to the encounter. You'll never be the same again. I'm gonna say this real quick. Uh, I was a very skeptical person of going to the encounter. I've always have been. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing, brothers. <laughs> you gotta go, you gotta go. I'm telting you, all I can say is you gotta go and I'm going to put this out right now. One brother who wants to go and can't afford it, I got you. Wow. Okay? That's all I'm going to say. Oh, you ought to be able to celebrate when a man gets delivered, when a man gets set free. We thank God for women, and we thank God for the kids. But when dad get it right, when the father gets it right, when the husband, I know that's right. Come on, sisters. When the husband can come home, and say, I'm serving Jesus. I'm going to be a better husband, a better father, a better brother, a better member. Oh, you ought to clap your hands and give the Lord praise. He's yet in the healing business. He's yet in the delivering business. He yet sets people free. Thanks be unto God. Help those brothers give God praise and let's thank the Lord for every one of them. God bless you all. And I just want to take a moment to appreciate Pastor Mario Haas, his wife Andre, and all of the men who serve at the Encounter Retreat. They fast and pray, and they prepare weeks on end just so those 48 hours will be nothing short of heaven on earth with these Encounter Retreats. God bless them all, and the Lord prosper every one of you for those testimonies. Psalm 37, verse 23. Psalm 37 and verse 23. The Bible says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Now, though he fall, he should not utterly be cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Notice the words of David the psalmist. I have been young, but now I'm old. Yet, yet, never seen the righteous forsaken. Thank you, Jesus. Nor his seed or his descendants begging for bread. 
He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. That righteous man, he is ever merciful. That righteous man, he gives, and his seed, his children, his descendants are blessed. I'd like to take the next few moments this morning and talk from the subject title, Pressing Through Life's Many Challenges. Pressing through life's many challenges. Just, just reach over to someone next to you, shake that right hand, and say, we're pressing through some of life's many challenges. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. During the month of January, we make it, we've made it our aim, we've made it our ambition to reset, to literally hit the reset button, find a quality, find a value in your life and in my life, in our lives as Christians and believers, and even those who today are not Christians and believers, God gives us all a wonderful opportunity to hit the reset button. Today, we continue the series, How to Have God's Best for Our Lives for the rest of our lives. As the body of Christ, we're taking full advantage of developing and maturing toward all that God has for us. Here at the University City Church, early part of 2015, we are decreeing and declaring. And thank you, Pastor John Dorsey, by the way. Now, you're supposed to get them raised off, and you ain't supposed to out-preach me. All right? I was a little nervous and worried at first. But, man, you got to preaching that offering, man. Uh, y'all send me the totals when you can. I want to know how the totals were. But, man, thank you for the testimony. Thank you for the energy. You made my work easier, and I believe God will continually bless you because you walk by faith. Carmen, thank to both of you all. But now I don't know how to come back behind that good singing and that good preaching. But nevertheless, we're going to press forward. Kingdom growth, kingdom increase, and kingdom change. The objective of the series is simple. My goal and the goal of this series is to move every one of you a little bit closer to your greatest level of significance in life. Notice, that, notice the word significance and not success. I'm, I'm not interested in moving you towards success as much. Let your job and your, 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 your colleagues and the areas of influences you're in, let them do those things. That, that's fine and well. But I believe there's another dimension beyond success. You've built your homes. You've paid them off. You, 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 you've ascertained certain levels of degrees and academic standard, and you'll even do more. But somewhere during the halftime of your life, after you've been around the world and you've shaken some significant hands and you, you've kind of done well for yourself, you're going to ask yourself the question, what's next? Is this everything? Is this all? And so I really want these, these few weeks to really provoke you to think and to contemplate. What's after all that I've gained? What will be after all that I've done? I believe that the church can help move you towards your greatest level of significance. We started with the scripture first part of the year, Psalm 90 and 10. Just write it down, Psalm 90 and 10. The Bible says the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years. So, Lord, teach us, verse 12, to number or to count our days that we may gain a heart 
of wisdom. Last Sunday morning, I preached a message, understanding how to seize your God moment. Understanding how to seize your God moment. You all remember Ecclesiastes 9 and 11. The race is not given to the swift. You all remember that, right? Uh, the battle is not to the strong, uh-huh, uh, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill. But time, uh, Solomon said, the wisest man in the Bible, Solomon says time and chance will happen to them all. I said last Sunday that uh, large opportunities seldom come in a man's lifetime, but small opportunities come every single day. Time and chance will happen to them all. So we gave you two points last week, and I don't want to spend too much time reviewing, but I left you with two points or two principles in understanding how to seize your God moment. Number one, you have to know what a God moment is. It's not just good luck. A God moment is more than just a string of, of days of goodwill fortune, but a God moment is a divine appointment. It's not an appointment that comes from man. It's not an appointment that you work for, but it is a divine, that is, it is a heavenly God-driven appointment for your life. I believe that is a God moment you can see. It's an effective door of opportunity, an effective door. Paul prayed, brethren, pray for us that an effectual or an effective door would open for us. Some of you all, that door is academics. Some of you all, it's in the area of career development. Some is home. It's military. It's, 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 it's personal goals. But trust you me that the prayer should be that God opened up a door and a door that's effective. For me, my door is ministry. That's what I do. I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. He who preaches the gospel lives of the gospel. So I'm always ever thinking, dreaming, believing. How can we make this church a better experience? How can we have the presence of God even the more in all that the University City Church puts his hand to do? That's my mission. That's my goal. My prayer is, God, that you keep opening these doors. I don't want to seize that God moment for my life. Uh, for others, uh, uh, a God moment is a season of unusual favor. A season of unusual, would you say that with me, unusual favor? Uh, not just coincidence. It's not just happenstance. But it just seems that when I seize my God moment, it can be a season of just unusual favor. I feel like I'm on the brink of that season right now for this church. We're believing God for some unusual favor. I'm yet uh, uh, being reminded of the scriptures. I will give you houses that you did not build. I will give you land that you did not cultivate. And I'm believing God for seasons of unusual favors and an unusual approval. Number two, we believe that understanding uh, how to seize your God moment, uh, you'll have to understand that there will be a time and there'll be a chance. All you can do is go and meet it. You'll have to seize it. I don't want anyone in this room to doubt whether God loves you enough. And I want to thank you for that song, by the way, and thank you for the addition to that song. Because that type of song is a song that, that, that gets down in your spirit. And you'll be driving, sitting in traffic somewhere, and you'll hear those words, oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. On your worst day, he still loves you. When you fought everybody and got mad at everybody, he still loves you. Bible I read says that he loves me with an everlasting love. There is no depth. There is no ending point. There is no expiration date to the love that the Father has for you and has for me. Oh, how he loves me. So, 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 so when I think about the scriptures and I think about time, and chance. May I submit to you, even with a prison record, even with the past, even with whoever you might have been before you got saved or while you're getting saved or as you plan to get saved, he's going to hit a reset button in your life. And any man being Christ, he's a new created act of God. 
Your past has been forgiven. Your past is history. And he gives you a chance. And I believe it's up to you. We say it all the time. I believe that when God gives you life, it is his gift to you. What you make of that life is your gift to God. He gives you a time. And he gives you a chance. May, may, may I take a step further and say the God that we serve is in the business of giving second chances? Oh, I see some of y'all don't need no second chance. You just, you just perfect, huh? You just hit the nail on the head there the first time around. Ain't no rehearsal needed for you. But for this person. And that young woman sitting on that front row. And there's some folk in the back row. To my right, to my left, sure enough, right here in the middle. I thank God for second chances. Oh, that's a lot better. Let me try that one more time. I said, I thank God for second chances. Ain't nobody perfect. Nobody's arrived. And if the truth be told, I thank God for the third, fourth, and fifth, and sixth chance. You still won't talk to me, I see. You know, didn't the Bible not say, though a righteous man fall, not one, not two, not three, but seven times? If that had been up to me and you, we'd have killed that bad boy the second or third time. But only God, who's rich in mercy, deep in love and compassion. And so the Bible reminds us in Colossians 4 and 5, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. My encouragement to every one of you is to redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity that comes your way. You'll only have one shot at it. This is no dress rehearsal for another experience. This is it. This is it. We have to find out what it is that God's called us to do and get with it. And I pray that we understand the value of being secure in his name, confident in his image, so we don't have to spend the rest of our lives qualifying, spending the rest of our lives trying to elbow our way to being somebody great. He has stamped greatness on your life. He has permanently spoken approval in and on you. Therefore, you don't have to jockey. You don't have to spin your wheels and spin your energy trying to manipulate and control and making way. He will make a way for you. A man's gift will make a way. And he knows exactly how to bring you before great men and women. And when you know these things, we can love everybody. And we can treat everybody well. I got another video today. I just want to kind of give you part two of this video because we're talking about life. And I think, again, sometimes the graveyard is probably the most introspective place to provoke thought as it relates to our life right here on the earth. Let's turn our attention toward the multimedia screen. You know, University City Church, I am yet in this vein in the cemetery. Why? Because it does remind me that this is unfortunately a place all too familiar. Bible says it is appointed man once to die, then the judgment. And um, truth be told, unless Jesus wraps us to church soon, we're all going to see this place eventually. And obviously, my goal is what you do until that inevitable day comes in your families, your relationships, your careers, your academics, all that God has given you with ministry and, and missions, I want you to live full and to die empty. Today, we're going to look at this epitaph, and I'm going to ask you some very, very provocative questions about what should your appetite say. 
when that tombstone is erected, whether it's in a traditional graveyard, whether it's on a eulogy, you know, what good words will be spoken about you? And so that's going to be the exercise this morning. And I want to encourage you to be honest and transparent. I believe it can set some things in motion. You know, Isaiah said, I set my face like a flint. There has to be a determination, a discipline, a doggedness, a decisiveness to be the man, the woman that God's called you to be. And I know that at University City Church, we are on the launching pad to something absolutely incredible. I really feel that and believe that. But let this backdrop remind you that we only have but so many days on this earth. So, Lord, teach us to number our days. May we apply our hearts to wisdom. May we redeem the time. May we seize the moment. May we make the most of every opportunity. God bless. So let's go back to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, our scriptural text on this morning. David writes this psalm, and I have to be very careful to, to, to mention that because if you're not careful, you can attribute, attribute certain writings to the different psalmists. David didn't write all of the psalms, and uh, Kor wrote psalms. Uh, we read last week where even Moses was recorded of writing, which became a psalm. But David's a unique person. And man, listen, there are not, there are not enough men talk small groups to talk about the life of David. I mean, David, to me, is the prototype of every man in this room. David is one of the greatest leaders that Israel would have ever known. But David had issues. David had problems. I don't know if there's a more man that we see in the scriptures that was more sensitive and surrendered and expressed his heart's desire through song, through psalm, and through writing. But yet there's also some things that David did that, boy, makes us scratch our head why he would do what he did to get to where he wanted to go. But in all things, God says he's yet the apple of my eye. He's yet a man. Can you believe that? After my own heart. Can you believe that the Bible says that he played with a skillful hand and he led with integrity? You mean this same murdering, adulterous David led with integrity? How do we handle and how do we reconcile scripture like that? How do we deal with a man who writes so much contribution of the Old Testament, who's, who we speak of in the book of Acts? Bible says that he served God's purposes, and then he died and went to be with his fathers. How do, we, how, do we, how do we put all that together? I really believe it's because David understood his challenges, and he found a way to overcome challenges. Here's what the Bible says again, verse 23, Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and God delights in his way. Now, though that good man falls... Though that good man will sin, though that good man will have days where he falls short, notice what the Bible says, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. The, uh, the, the contemporary English version says it this way, if you do what the Lord wants, he will make certain each step you take is sure. Now the Lord will hold your hand, and if you stumble, you still won't fall. I like that. Even though I stumbled, I still won't fall. You know, I look at the scriptures. Uh, the late F.B. Meyer said this, quote, If in an unknown country I am informed that I must pass through the valley where the sun is hidden or over a stony bit of road to reach my abiding place, when I come to it, each moment of shadow or each jolt of the carriage tells me that I am on, that I am on, that I am on, 
the right road. I want to talk to you this morning about challenges. Truth be told, there will be challenges. There will be obstacles. There will be things in our lives we'll have to learn to press through. And again, I don't think there's a better person in the Old Testament than David who could have written Psalm 37 and talked about our challenges. I want to give you three facts this morning concerning challenges. Three facts concerning challenges. And again, uh, if you can pin these facts, great. Fact number one, challenges, they are a part of all of our lives. Okay? Let's get that straight. Just because you say you're shouting and dancing, you're on cloud nine, you got off the counter retreat, it doesn't mean that challenges are going to tuck their tail between his legs and run and hide from you. If anything, when the anointing of God, the authority of God, the purpose of God is evident on your life, you become a poster child to attract more challenges. Can't get nobody in the back to say amen. Number two, challenges represent, or excuse me, challenges are presented with purposes and reasons in mind. And I'll talk about that in a moment. Number three, challenges are opportunities that make you better. Challenges are opportunities. I, I know that doesn't sound right. That probably sounds a little backwards and maybe an oxymoron, but challenges, they are opportunities. Let me try that again. Obstacles are opportunities that make you better, that make you a better man, a better woman. Let's go back to number one. Challenges are part of all our lives. Psalm 34, David, again, verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Do, do you all hear that? Many are the afflictions, uh, the pain, the pressure, the challenges, the obstacles, the hurt, the disappointment. Not some, not every once in a while, but notice what the psalmist says. Many are the afflictions. Uh, I, I, again, I, I often repeat myself when I say this because I don't want sloppy theology in our church. And boy, that internet, that TV broadcast, the radio, Man, that has done our church a travesty throughout the country. We've got pop going overnight, jack-in-the-box preachers that prophesy and tell you anything to make you feel warm and fuzzy. But let this preacher remind you that when you get saved, it doesn't mean challenges go away. That means there won't be days of affliction and fear and hurt and disappointment. In fact, there'll probably be more. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So many are the afflictions of the righteous, the Bible says. But the Lord, he delivers him out of how many? Them all. How many? Them all. Well, that's Old Testament. I'm under the spirit of grace. I'm a New Testament believer. All right? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Not because you had your hand in the crooked jar and got caught. No. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and they persecute you and say all type of evil things against you falsely. Now, no, notice, not because it's true, all right? You stole something and you got caught. That is true, all right? Uh, you got caught with somebody else's girlfriend. Uh, that was true. But blessed are you when they revile you and say all type of evil things against you falsely for my name's sake. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew 5, rejoice. And be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. If they persecuted the prophets, you know they're going to persecute you. You're not saying anything, I see. John 15, Jesus goes on to say, verse 20, remember uh, what the word that I say unto you, a servant is no greater than his master. Jesus says this, if they persecuted me, you can fill in the rest, they will also persecute you. Who in the world do you think you are? Not to have persecution, challenges, pain in this lifetime. What makes you more better than Jesus? 
the apostles, the prophets, the great clouds of witnesses of old, that you can have a day when challenges are thrown your way. Uh, go to your Bibles. Go to James chapter 1. I want to show you something in James chapter 1, all right? I, I, I had this message printed about three or four days ago, and I already knew what I was going to preach on. But just because my outline is printed doesn't mean the Lord can't stop, can't still speak between now and Sunday morning. I was in meditation. I said, Lord, give me more thought to drive home, something that people can grasp and hold on to. I couldn't help but think about James chapter 1. Would you turn to James chapter 1? I want to show you something, very familiar verse of Scripture, but I think it's one that will bless you. James 1, verse 2. My brothers, count it all joy when, not if, when, when you fall into various trials. It didn't say fall into sin. It said fall into temptation, fall into trials, fall into testing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. I asked the question in prayer, God, what's the biggest lie when it comes to having challenges in our lives? What is it that the devil is so good at when it comes to you and I, the child of God, going through pain and, and disappointment and hurt and challenges and obstacles? And the Holy Spirit said the biggest lie from the enemy is always that you're alone, that you're by yourself. No one's struggling with what you're struggling with. No one can relate to what you're going through. And so there is a lie of being alone, and there is a lie of exclivity. In other words, you're the only one who is uniquely dealing with this pain or pressure or challenge in your life. How many of y'all know the devil's a liar? Mm -hmm. uh, I said, God, give me more for the people of God. Three things come to mind. Number one, God will always be with you. And as long as God is with you, you get the majority. If it's financial pain... God's right there. If it's friendship, relationship challenges, God's right there. If you're dealing with sickness in your body, and it seems as if you're the only one, don't worry about it, God is right there. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when God is on your side, what, can, what do you have to be afraid of? What demon, what witch, what warlock, what rumor, what lie can intimidate you when God is on your side? Number two, the church will always be on your side. The church will be there if you let us. Sometimes people who are hurting try to hurt other people. I'm not a lifeguard, never been one, don't, probably will not ever become one. But don't laugh at me because you're not going to be no lifeguard either. All right? But they say one of the first rules of being a lifeguard, from what I understand, is sometimes you got to let that person tire himself out first before you throw out the raft or before you go in to save them. And sometimes people are sparring and fighting and, 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 and going through all these uh, energies and all these issues. Sometimes they just need to tire themselves out before we jump in and try to help them, because if not, they're taking you down with them. Now, this is not on my notes, but I might as well say this. Be careful, how, be careful not to fight other people's challenges for them. I grew up in a house where I was told as a child, misery loves company. Y'all don't like the way I'm preaching this morning, I see. I want you to help them. I want you to pray for them, give them biblical counsel, give them godly wisdom. But don't be carrying their suitcase and their luggage for them, and they're not carrying it. How many times have my wife and I had to counsel and minister to people, and, oh, we getting up in the middle of the night praying, and, oh, we believe in God, they're going to work it out, and, oh, this and all. And they, they somewhere, at, at, uh, somewhere at Basket and Robin eating ice cream. Forgot to tell us that they worked it out. Forgot to tell us that things are fine and they've reconciled. Here we are trying to believe God for this and that, and they somewhere at Carowinds riding roller coasters. Can you at least call me and tell me God worked it out for you? 
So I got to be careful not to carry. And listen, you be careful not to carry other people's luggage. Choose your battles wisely. Just because one person's mad don't mean you got to be mad. Just because somebody hurt don't mean you got to be hurting. Be careful. I got my own challenges right now. I got to be discerning whether I'm going to carry mine and carry yours. All right, let me get back on target here. All right, so, 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 so challenges are part of our lives. So God will always be there. The church is there. Why? Because there is no temptation uncommon to man. The word of God reminds you and I that there's nothing you're going through that somebody on your row, somebody in your section, somebody across the aisle has not gone through. And if God brought them out and God made a way for them, certainly he's going to make a way for you. So you got to bind that lion spirit wonder from the devil that you're the only one going through this sickness. You're the only one dealing with this marital issue. You're the only one having these financial challenges. We've all, one way or the other, have been there. But we yet to see the righteous forsaken, nor his seed beg for bread. Number two, challenges are presented with purpose and reason. God, hear me closely, and I'm about halfway finished. God will give you no challenge without a solution. He's not in the business of abusing you. He's not in the business of abandoning you. Whatever challenge, okay, I really feel like I want to talk to my married couples for a moment. Whatever that keeps you pacing the floor at 2 and 3 in the morning and not speaking to each other for 3 and 4 and 5 days, whatever keeps you at odds, you're not the only couple to have gone through that. For those that are in the balance between health reports and doctor's visits and uh, health care uh, issues, you're not the only one who's been given a bad initial report. And I know that old devil puts you on an island by yourself. No one can relate. Nobody understands. He's always been a lying wonder. He's always an accuser of the brethren. You're not the only one who's gotten an initial report of a health predicament. James says, count it all joy. If God so calls your name to send you through this season of testing. Because there's something in the testing. There's something in the trying. There's perfection. There's completion. There's patience. There's wisdom. And when you come out of this test, you're going to be stronger, wiser, more patient. And I wish I could testify some things. I could tell you some things after 20 years of pastoring. I would not have been able to tell you after 5 or 10 or even 15. I've learned how to kill the agenda and the ambition of wanting it my way all the time. And God has a way of slowing your roll. He ain't concerned and he ain't tripping because your belly aching and you're pleading even in prayer time. He ain't all studying all of these tears and all of these crying, oh, Jesus, oh, Lord. He, that, that, that don't bother him. When he get good and ready to pass the test, when he get good and ready for you to pass that test, he's going to make that way. I got to keep moving. I got a lot ahead of me. So, so challenges are presented with purpose and reason in mind. Bible says our, our afflictions are light afflictions. But Paul says it but for a moment, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. And these afflictions, these challenges, watch this, they're working for us and exceeding and an eternal weight of glory. Do you hear the words of Paul? Every challenge you experience, every affliction, every trial, there's a job description with them. 
They've got an assignment from heaven to do something for your life and in your life. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. Because what I see right now is only temporary. It ain't always going to be here. It's going to be here one day, gone the next day. But the things that I cannot see, those are the things Paul says are eternal. Let's stick with the theme of Paul, Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings, the challenges of this present time, they're not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in our lives. Don't you realize that whatever challenge, whatever pain, whatever testing you're dealing with right now, God has an assignment for that for your life. You're going to be better and stronger. In fact, Bible says, for we do, for we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I don't want to ignore the word purpose. We don't want to underestimate the word purpose. When all things work together for the good, it's because you're in his purpose. Now, real quick, if you're not in his purpose, you cannot claim Romans 8.28. You cannot go out there and spend a life and get in knots and expect it to be unraveled in two days of being in church. You cannot go out there and literally make a mess of things and say, oh, you know, I'm a child of God, so I know it's going to work out for my good. Not necessarily so. Because if, what, if the situation or the predicament is not wrapped in his purpose, he's not obligated to get you out of that jam. Now, you can go to the mall on Black Friday, day after Christmas, New Year's Day sale, and you can max all your credit cards out because you just got to have it and you got to look the part. But he ain't obligated in 30 days to pay them bills. Well, all things are going to work together for the good. No, it's not. No, it's not. Wait till that phone start ringing. Quote that to the creditors. Well, the Bible tells me all things, well, oh, really? Well, how about you just go ahead and put, put, pay this payment over the phone since he's so good to you? We get ourselves in jams and expect God to perform a miracle that he's really not obligated to perform. Are you still with me? All right, let's keep moving real quick. Number three, challenges are opportunities to make you better. Challenges are opportunities to make you better. Psalm 119, 71. Psalm 119, 71. Let's listen to the psalmist again. For it was good for me that I would be afflicted. Would you listen to the psalmist? It was good that I had these challenges so that I would learn the word of God, that I learned how to study my Bible. I learned how to rightfully divide the word of God. So when I needed some hope, I could find the scriptures that gave me hope. When I needed faith, I could find scriptures that fed my faith. When I needed to be fearless and, and, and walk as a man or woman of God, I could find scripture that helped strengthen me. I found resolve and I found solution. I found, I found joy. I found healing. I found help and strength in the word of God. Are you still with me? I'm about two-thirds of the way finished. In fact, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You'll know this passage of Scripture. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, if you can't get to 2 Corinthians 12, I'll just read it for you, verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Paul says this was a messenger of Satan himself to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord. I told y'all earlier, God ain't studying your pleading, crying. Didn't I tell y'all that? He could care less about you belly aching and, and falling all out in, at the altar for him to move when he ain't ready to move. Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And here's what he said in return. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. Therefore, Paul realizes, I now, instead of crying and bellyaching, I'm going to gladly boast in my challenges, my infirmities, that the power of Christ would rest upon me. Now, you want to talk about maturing in the Word of God? 
You want to talk about becoming deep in the spirit realm? Read 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is not for the faint of heart. Paul says, okay, let them give me this terminal report. I'm going to get stronger. Okay, tell me I ain't got for 30 days to get out of this house that's being foreclosed. I'm not going to cry and fall all out and blame everybody. I'm going to pack my stuff and get on out, and I'm going to believe God that one day it's going to be better. It is what it is. And there are times when God is not going to answer your prayer. There are times he's not going to respond to your fast. There will be times he's not going to do what you want him to do concerning your challenges. You have to resort to Scripture that when I am at my weakest, he's at his strongest. Maybe it's a little flesh in me he wants to kill. Maybe it's pride and ego and ambition. And what I want to do, arrogance, big-headedness, I am this, I am that. Paul says, I had almost gotten to a point where no one could tell me anything. Paul says, I was so on a runaway train towards revelation. I'm seeing all of these wonders. I'm having all these spiritual moments with God. And he was. He said, maybe, hey, maybe I'm somebody. God says, okay, I know how to, I know to, I know how to deal with that devil. Let me put a thorn in his flesh. That revelation, that fasting, that prayer, kind of retreat, nothing will be able to deal with him. Let's keep him humble. Keep him broken. Let's keep him hungry. Oh, I got something, but I'm going to fast and pray it out. God's still God. He's not going to be manipulated nor controlled by our will and volition. So here's what Paul finds out. You know what? The Lord giveth. The Lord taketh away. Isn't that right, Brother Sean? My cowboy fan and my barber in the back. The Lord giveth. <laughs> and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be that. I'm glad you came to church this Sunday. I didn't think I was going to see you until Easter time. Join the club. All the Panthers are here. All the Cowboys are here. <laughs> we all <are> here. <laughs> but Paul comes to a point where he realizes, even in my weakest, I am at my strongest. He says, therefore, instead of complaining, instead of fault finding, instead of being under this victimology spirit, I'm going to learn to rejoice in the God of my salvation. Even, even when things don't go my way. I want to close with a couple of thoughts before I close. Realize this. I don't want to leave you with a message without giving you solutions. My goal is that you walk out of here today with three tangible answers that you can apply right now. Right now. Undoubtedly in this room, we all have our challenges. We have things that don't go our way. And I know it's so easy to run from them. I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy you're here. I don't want to see you run from your challenges. I know they're tough. I know it hurts. I know it's hard. And boy, there are times when no man or woman in this room can give an explanation. But as long as God is God, and as long as he's yet still in control, there's a purpose and a process for your maturity and your growth. I'm so glad. Number one, stay courageously fearless. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given me or you the spirit of fear. The word fear in the Greek, cowardice. God has not called you and I to be cowards. All right? The easiest, least way of resistance is to gracefully bow out 
and just go on with life. But what if the challenge goes everywhere you go? I'm talking to husbands. I'll just leave them. But what if the problem's you? I'll just leave him. But sister, what if you got the problem? You're going to go after husband after husband after husband, wife after wife after wife. Well, it's his job. Well, maybe it's not the job. Maybe it's you. I know it's easy right now to escape. Because somewhere, unfortunately, in our sloppy theology of churches across America, there's this escape syndrome. Just leave the marriage. Just leave the job. Just leave the kids. Just leave. And that may not always be the, easy, the best answer. And I know it takes guts. And I know it takes, it takes determination. And I don't want to see you. I've been quoting this. Pastor Grant knows this. I've been quoting this for the last two or three weeks. Uh, and I still can't think of the guy who preached this message 20-some years ago. But he clearly said it this. He clearly said it this way. We often throw in the towel right before the breakthrough. And I don't remember who preached that message 20-some odd years ago, but it stuck with me. Because I know what it's like to say, you know what, man, forget them all. I don't need this. Whether it be school, grad school, whether it be a, uh, this opportunity or this exposure or, or this platform, it's so easy to say, oh, man, whatever. I don't want to run from my challenges. I stay the course. Be fearless. Be courageously fearless. Luke 12, 32, fear not. Jesus says, fear not. Have no worry. Don't be a coward. I am with you, and I'm giving you a kingdom. In my kingdom, you can overcome. You can make it. Number two, number two, stay consistently faithful. Stay consistently faithful. Bible says Psalm 37. Uh, we're already in Psalm 37, but what did the first part of Psalm 37 say? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. God wants to feed you. God wants to supply every one of your needs because of faithfulness. And he sets the order that I am faithful to you even when you're not faithful to me. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to protect you. I'll make sure you have peace of mind. I am the Lord thine God, and I love you. I'm going to provide for you. I'll be faithful to you because I'm faithful to my covenant. And even when we are not faithful, He's faithful. Feed on his faithfulness. Commit your ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Stay in Psalm 37, and even at the end, verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you and inherit the land. And when the wicked are caught off, you shall see it. Three things the Bible says God's going to do if you stay in there and you hang in there. Number one, his word is going to come to pass in your life. I know right now it looks like everyone's against you. I know it looks right now that nobody's got your back. But God says if you hang in there, you learn to deal with your challenges. Number one, I want to do what I said I was going to do. You're going to inherit the land. I'm going to deal with your enemies, and you're going to live long enough to see it. You don't have to chase no lies. You ain't got to follow no gossip. You ain't got to chase no rumors. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to give you my promises, and you're going to live long enough to see me deal with your enemies. So you ain't got to run around trying to curse nobody and fight nobody. That, 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 that's not going to profit you nothing. You stay above. You stay clean. Don't ever condescend down to somebody's level who's abusing you. You stay on top. Stay focused on the pride. And God is going to fight your battle. Everyone who laughed, everyone who, 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 who scorned, everyone who mocked, everyone who was cynical, skeptical, the naysayers, the haters, the doubters, some of my family, some of my friends, some of my church people, my God, God said, I'm going to deal with all of them. 
going to prepare a table before you right in the presence of your enemy. So whether you got to watch Facebook, whether they catch it on Twitter, whether they are driving by, whether you run into them in the mall, you ain't got to fight nobody. Just keep doing what you've been doing for the Lord. And God got a way of orchestrating your steps. You ain't got to go back and find no, uh, uh, render evil for evil. You don't have to avenge anything. God says, vengeance is mine. I know exactly how to deal with every one of your enemies. So stay faithful. Number one, stay fearless. Number two, stay faithful. Third and finally, stay focused. And I love the word committedly focused. Stay committedly focused. Focus. David's biggest problem before we find his steps being ordered by the Lord is found in verse 1 of Psalm 37. I had to ask the Holy Spirit to show me this. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be envious against the workers of iniquity. Now, you may not want to say amen, but all of our heart of hearts, we've had to question at times, how come these sinners is doing better than I'm doing? These heathen, no good for nothing, don't want to serve God, go to church, pay their tithes, sin, and seem like they're doing better than I'm doing. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. I'm paying my tithe. I'm going to church. I'm volunteering in the children's church. My God, I'm the first one to leave, last one to leave. Here I am doing this, doing that. God, I'm praying. I'm seeking your faith. I'm part of this doggone Daniel's fast. I don't want to be a part. I'm trying to do good. But yet my co-worker, my God, they're doing this, they're doing that. But yet every time I turn around, they got something here. They're doing this, that. And my God, fret not thyself. Because of the workers of evildoers. And don't be envious of them. Because they're going to have their reward. They'll have their day in court. But if you stay focused on the prize. If, you're not, if you don't get weary in well-doing. He that come shall come. And he ain't going to tarry. But you got to do the will of God. You got to be fearless. You have to remain faithful. And you got to be focused. Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work. Come on, someone talk to me. In the work. Come on now. In the work of the Lord. Why? You need to know that your labor is not in vain. What you do for Christ shall last. God, come on, say it again. God can take little and he makes it much in the master's hand. When you make up your mind, I'm going to be fearless. Uh-huh. I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to be focused. I believe, my God, that a good man's steps are ordered by the Lord. Uh-huh. He knows how to put you at the right place at the right time for the right purpose. And then your gifts come out then, and a man's gift will begin to make room for them and bring them before great people. I just want you to stand to your feet right now because I just need to speak over your life just for a moment and say, baby, be encouraged. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Do you not know, my God, when you got God on your side, you can, my God, fight anybody in the world and you're going to win. There's not a hill too high. There's not a mountain too mighty. 
There's not a person, a nation, or a people that can hinder you from the move of God. There's not any obstacle. There's not a hurdle. My God, there's no place high nor a valley too low. I'm here to tell you right now, if you remain faithful, if you remain focused, my God, you got to pin your ears back, square your shoulder, and I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be the man that God has called me to be. I'm going to be the woman that God has called me to be. There's not a man nor a woman who's going to rob me of the inheritance that God has spoke into my life. Uh, I'm focused, uh, I'm faithful, and I'm fearlessly going forward. High five somebody and say, neighbor, there is no challenge uh, too big for God. Come on, talk to me. Say, neighbor, there is no challenge uh, too big for me with God on my side. Come on. I said, with God on my side, I can do it. Uh, I can make it. Uh, I am uh, what I am uh, by the grace of God. Uh, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Come on, shake somebody's hand and say, neighbor, you can do it. Uh-huh. I said, you can do it. Uh, you can be everything that God wants you to be. You can have what God said you can have. You can become everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't run from your challenges. Don't ignore your challenges. Sometimes you got to look that devil square in the face and say, devil, God has anointed me. He's given me an authority to leap all over you, to put you under my feet. Therefore, I bind. I said, I bind on the earth. You already bound in heaven. You are lying wonder from the beginning. You're lying right now. But whom the sun set free is free indeed. Thank God for Jesus. He brings liberty. He brings joy. He brings life. Somebody clap their hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for the victory. Thank you for overcoming. Thank you for the victory. I'm more than an overcomer. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be focused. and be faithful. The enemy comes to make you think you're the only one struggling, battling, dealing with issues. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory and he always causes us to triumph. My, 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 yeah. Fearless. Bible says there is no fear in love, 
But perfect love casteth out all fear. Because fear has torment. And he that feareth is not made perfect in love. I love you just that much to tell you the truth. You may not agree. You may not see eye to eye. But I love you just that much to not see you go to hell. Not see you live a destructive, damnable life on the earth. I love you just that much. I may lose you, but I love you to stand my ground in the word of God. I love you just that much. I don't mind decreasing. I don't mind putting my agenda to the side if it means you being strong and encouraged in the Lord. The man of God, Paul, said that we die every day that you would have life experience death on a daily basis that you would have hope. I told those in the new members orientation of pastor's perspective this morning, we're not a perfect church. We ain't going to be a perfect church. We got a whole lot of areas of growth, including me. But we're striving. We're trying and that's just the straight up truth. I don't want no smoking mirrors. I don't want no one over inflate then you finally find out who we really are. No, this is who we are right now. I don't want to create a false expectation that I'm going to always be there for you at all times. I heard my dear friend Bishop McLaughlin say years ago, if you need me as a pastor, you'll probably need another pastor. This is not built around the personality of the preacher. Our church is built on the kingdom and he's a whole lot bigger <laughs> than the local preacher and so I encourage you to grow in your faith grow in maturity develop as a man woman of God lock arms and lock hands with men and women around you be in a small group know that small groups are so now vitally important as we go through all of the challenges of life Oh, it blesses my heart to hear and to know that you're there for one another. And if I can't be there in 20 minutes, if I can't get across town in 30 minutes, somebody's already there to help, to care, to share, and to minister. Then you can look up toward heaven and say, God, only you. It wasn't the reverend, it wasn't his wife, it wasn't the head elder of the deacon, but God ministered to our needs through the family. Through the family. And this is why there'll be a precedent and an expectation higher than we've ever had 20 years on small group participation. And you're going to hear a whole lot more beginning next week. We'll be meeting with all of the small group leaders and those who host and those who just want to serve and be a part because we're going to hit this reset button. We've been at it for years now, but we're closer than we've ever been. Everybody can pastor, care, and minister. Everybody can hold each and one another accountable. Is that right? A question was asked, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. I'm not going to let you backslide on me. Not going to let it happen. Call me old school. Call me old-fashioned. Call me dogmatic. Say what you want to. I'm not, I'm not going to let you backslide on me. I'm not going to let you be wooed and deceived by the enemy under political uh, terms. And at the end of the day, have no idea who God is. Here's what I will do. I want to stand before the Lord and hear this. I want to hear Matthew 25, 21. 
Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Didn't have to be a rich servant, but I was a faithful servant. I may not be the most educated servant, but I'm a faithful servant. May not have been the best looking. I'll take second or third, but I'm a faithful servant. For you were faithful over a few things. Now, Jesus says, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Is that not what you want the Lord to say to you? Well done, thy good and fearless and focused and faithful servant. Because when you understand that, there's no challenge you can't overcome. There's no challenge that works for your good. Heads about and eyes are closed. Heads about and eyes are closed. Heads about and eyes are closed. Father, this morning there are men and women that need to come and know who you are in the pardon of their sins. And I just thank you for an invitation and an atmosphere that is so easy and right and conducive for them to hear from heaven and to respond to your call. I thank you today that you knock on the doors of our hearts to come in and to become our Lord, that we will become your children. And so I thank you that the Bible says if any man believe or any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And how does that happen? Well, by believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. I want to pray for my brothers and sisters today that don't know Jesus Christ. You're here today. You're a good man. You're a good woman. You got a great heart. You mean to do right. And you want to do better. Let me, let me share with you that it starts today with making Jesus your Lord. Becoming a committed, full-fledged Christian. Not just a churchgoer. Not just someone who's been baptized as a child. Not someone who just has a good heart. But it starts by making a public declaration that I am a Christian. And you can do that today by believing in your heart that Jesus Christ lived.